0: The premiere that shook the earth. I can now share with you the extraordinary story of the premiere of Cyrano de Bergerac, as told by Sue Lloyd in her biography The Man Who Was Cyrano. Here it is as she tells it. It was traditional to wear a full evening dress at these occasions. Rastand exchanged his sober costume for the finery of the seventeenth-century Marquis, and joined the extras on stage in Act I he had not been happy with their movements at the dress rehearsal. Since they had been recruited from a local wine shop at 20 sous each, this was hardly surprising. Rostand determined to direct them from within. This would be preferable to waiting anxiously in the wings for the audience's reaction. The audience was at first rather confused by all the activity on stage in Act I, where Rostand is setting the scene. After the dramatic entrance of Cyrano, however, Interest began to quicken, and by the duel scene, where Cyrano improvises a ballad at the same time as he fences with the Vicomte de Valvaire, the audience was completely enthralled. Rastan slipped away to Coquelin's dressing-room. As he changed back into evening dress to receive his friend's congratulations, he kept repeating to himself in disbelief, C'est un triomphe! C'est un triomphe! Later, Rostand told the journalist he preferred not to attend premieres of his plays, and only did so at his wife's insistence. Nothing could ever equal that evening of 28th December. Never again shall I experience another moment like that. The first night of Cyrano de Bergerac was one of the great historic moments of the French theatre. As one marvelous scene followed another, the audience's excitement increased rising to a crescendo at the end of Act Three, the balcony scene, when Coquelin led the young author on stage to receive the applause. Ladies threw their gloves and fans on stage, and gentlemen their opera hats. Friends invaded the wings to congratulate Edmond and Coquelin. But this was nothing to the uproar when the curtain finally fell at the end of Act Five, After Coquelin had taken... Forty curtain calls. The curtain was simply left up. The audience just could not bear to leave. Edmond's play had reawoken, just as he had hoped to do, the traditional Gallic spirit of heroism and chivalry. A tremendous feeling of national pride had swept through those present. At one point, the audience even spontaneously sang the Marseillaise. Families divided by the Dreyfus affair were united there and then. Their awakened sense of being French overriding their differences of opinion. Two writers, who were due to fight a duel the next day, embraced publicly and called the duel off. Meanwhile, Edmond, too modest to appear again and rather overcome, had slipped out with Rosamond, his wife, to watch the ecstatic scenes on the pavement outside the theatre. An exhausted cook finally reached his dressing-room, which was thronged with well-wishers. "'It's a pleasure to kill yourself for a work like that,' he sighed. Sarah Bernhardt, still in her stage-makeup from acting in Mirbeau's Les Mauvais-Bergères at the Renaissance next door, hurried in to congratulate him. Her son Maurice had kept her informed on how each act was going. She had hurried up her death scene, and so had got to the Porte Saint-Martin in time to see the last act.' In her enthusiasm, Sarah almost devoured Coquelin, as Renard relates it, and when Rostand finally entered, she seized him for herself by the head again, as with Coquelin, but this time like a glass of champagne. Better, like a glass of the ideal. Cyrano de Bergerac was, Lloyd says, the most unanimous triumph in the history of French theatre. And she concludes the section with these beautiful words. So, the contrebandier de l'idéal, the smuggler of the ideal, had succeeded in his dream, beyond his wildest hopes. After his early disappointments, he was now soaring above all his fellow dramatists. He had given expression to the emotions of his own soul, and found them accepted with enthusiasm and joy by the French public. He had sown the little blue flowers of the ideal— and they had not been trodden underfoot, but lifted tenderly and pressed to the bosom of the public. I take inspiration from this play to become a smuggler of the ideal. I hope you do too.